Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. everyone thank you for joining me here on this uh another episode of the fifth day state podcast on this this is another um election special podcast i'll call it um talking to candidates that are game enough to have uh real world conversations with us common folk out there uh who they do hope for us to vote for them and all that if that makes sense um i'm, I'm conversations get away from me anyway um, today, tonight, um, we have Amanda Mead and she's running as an independent candidate for the district of Lowen. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Cameron. Thank you so much for having me. That's good. Now, who are you before we get into the nitty gritty? Um, to, to put it quite simply, I am a normal regional hairdresser that has a small farm that just wanted to run my business and, and, you know, have some sheep, live a normal life and the government got in the way and I, I, there's nothing special about me. I, I don't have a uni degree. I just have a trade. Um, I have a little salon in Mortlake, which is a, a town full of 1,500 people. But, um, yeah, I'm just like everyone else. Mm. <laughs> Well, that's that is good to hear. So, um, obviously, you're not a, a career politician or, or someone that's aspired to be a politician ever since mm, you know they left not. high school. <laughs> okay. Um, now, I'm going to admit I'm um, going through your website here at the moment, which I'll, I'll include in the show notes and all that sort of stuff, and let you have a chance to talk about um, where you are on socials and, and what have you got coming up. Now, one of the things that is important to me, it is one of my major soapbox issues, uh, and that is let kids be kids. Um, yep. if, I'm just going to read a little bit from your website. It says, our current yep. education system is forcing adult ideologies onto our children. This has taken away a parent guardian's uh, right to decide where, when and how a child is to learn about sex education, gender flu- fluidity and identity. The government is sexualizing young children, which has which is having negative consequences on their mental health and social development while putting more strain on our crumbling healthcare system. Uh, when, where and how a child is to learn about these topics should be up to the parent guardian, not the government. Now you're going some proposals there. Um, today, uh, now this is being recorded on Tuesday, hopefully I can get it published and, and get my back, backside into gear and, and have it published Wednesday. Um, now it's... Supposedly, according to Twitter, it was the um, anniversary of the plebiscite for same-sex marriage Um, and Supreme Leader Andrews did a tweet. Um, I'm just trying to find that now. Uh, It starts off... I think this guy loves himself. Um, (laughs) So it says... uh, this is one of those moments you always remember where you were and what you were doing, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then he craps on. Um, his second tweet was, when we heard the result, 61% yes, blah, 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 blah. And five years on, there's been no slippery slope, no sky falling in, just a lot of weddings. Um, I'd be inclined to say Dan Andrews is um, 
full of shit here. Um, the yeah. slippery slope was well and truly jumped on at that point in time. Now, my views are is that the government should not have any control over who um, decides to marry whom as long as they're consenting adults. The government should keep their nose out of it. So That's exactly um, the same way that I see it. I, I mean, what, what someone... What someone does in their bedroom is their own business yep. um, and who someone chooses to be with, is it's their own choice. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's not up to me, it's not up to you, it's not up to the government to say yes or no, this is allowed. People should be allowed to be who they want to be. Yep, and um, I was in Queensland when this was coming out and prior to that, um, Anna Bly um, had done something where because the state doesn't control the Marriage Act, they created some sort of civil union and that was viewed as, as a, a win uh, for, you know, for, for, for the alphabet mafia who, who were pushing yeah. it. And I had a lot of friends at the time in that community and, and said to them, I said, you know, you, you realise that you've been duped uh, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, and, you know, once I explained it to them, they became aware of it and, and were quite upset about it. And, uh, you know, it's the thing, get the government out. But anyway, going back to this slippery yeah. slope, so uh, I know that at the time there were a lot of um, people on the, let's say, the extreme no side who were talking about um, people marrying dogs and cats and trees and, and all that sort of crap. Um, I think something like that is happening in the US because uh, they've been a yeah. little bit ahead of us. But um, with regards to the slippery slope, I that, this ties into the... Uh, the first bit that I was talking to you about where you want kids to be kids, I think that that was the start of it because, um, you know, it's shown that the government is um, will answer to the alphabet mafia and now we have uh, children that, are, you know, are, can go to a medical professional or they can wake up one morning and say that there's something different and according to the legislation, the parents... Student, uh, parents, teachers, everyone has to accept that and has to affirm it. They cannot challenge it. Yeah, Otherwise, isn't that, yep. isn't that scary that a parent that is the guardian that, you know, for women, they've given birth to this child. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Men can give birth too. Now, remember that. <laughs> um, but, Sorry. <laughs> oh, do we, do we want to go down that road? <laughs> yeah, we'll do that one later on. But these, 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 these parents that, you know, I understand there's bad, difficult families and all that kind of stuff, but generally parents love their children. And, and the government is coming in and taking their involvement in their child's upbringing away from them. Yep, yep. And Isn't uh, that scary? It is scary. Um, regular listeners of this, uh, of my podcast, when I'm involved in one of the local um, high school, school council, and... The, the crap that's going on in high schools, uh, I think if the if, uh, majority of if parents understood it, I think that we would be seeing protests out there every day. It's just that unfortunately parents yeah. are too busy uh, and too distracted with a million other things and that it, parents don't become aware of it. Now, um, one point about that is that um, children in Year 7 are told and, you know, are they told, well, no, they're informed that the age of consent for 12-year-olds is 12, as long as there's no more than two years difference. So a 12-year-old can get it on with a 14-year-old, 12-year-old can't, can't get it on with a 15-year-old, and they're told that in school. There's posters up in schools saying that two 12-year-olds can get it on. That is perfectly legal. Um, when I found that when out... Did, when did that become 
become a... <laughs> I'm... When did that happen? Um, the... A couple of years... Uh, two years ago, I think it was. The legislation was changed. Wow. Yep. Why? I thought it was still, you know, 16. Nope. 16? Nope. Nope. 12. And they're told see, that. High school children are told that. But see, these kids, they probably wouldn't know that unless they were told. Yep. And, they, you know, if they go to the school counsellor, there's a school counsellor or their mental health person or whatever they want to call it. Um, there's posters in their rooms uh, and all that sort of stuff. I think it comes across in the um, health and physical education. Uh, for that one, they talk about that. They're talking about fluidity uh, and all that sort of stuff. Um, the high school that I'm involved with, I think it was term two, the children were uh, given uh, one of the classes or one of the sessions was that they can do badges with their um, preferred pronouns. And it's just like, mate, these people are 12. You know, they're 12 and 13. You know, how the hell are they going to know what they're going to be in, you know, when they become an adult? Yeah. And you know, why even ask them now? Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it is refreshing to see people take it on. Um, this is one of my big soapbox issues. I, I think it's absolutely disgusting. And it, it, the, the authoritarian left um, have shown that they really don't give a shit about children uh, because on one minute they're saying that um, children can cut healthy parts off their body um, yep. at any age that they want, yep. And then by the other thing, oh, no, 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 they're not criminally responsible till they're 14. Well, you know what, I fully agree with I fully accept that and, I, you know, personally I'd like to see the age raised to 16 um, to allow children to be children and, uh, you know, community led to the point where we can um, properly raise these children, though unfortunately we don't live in a perfect world, so, you know, we'll accept 14, but then they're saying that 12-year-olds can do what they want. Um, yeah, so it, it just, yeah, and and anyway, I won't rant about that one because I'm supposed to be talking to you, not me having a big waffle hey, here. That's all right. Um, that's but, all right. Yeah, this is uh, one of my big soapbox issues and, and um, it's it's something that, yeah, I, I think that should have been become a big um, election issue by the majors, um, at least the Liberal Party. Yeah, and they've, they've, they've not touched it. They've no. not touched it. No. So, so one of the things is, is that the way that I wrote my policies is that I, I didn't just, I didn't watch media or anything like that. I, I actually went around to local pubs I spoke to local community groups. I mean, I'm a hairdresser, so I get a lot of people through as well and, and conversations with them. I didn't actually write the topics of these policies. The community did. These were the most important things to them. Uh, if you notice, I don't actually have a climate policy that I'm, I'm pushing for the election because it wasn't actually at the forefront of what the issues were that were affecting them. But hang, 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 on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on. I need to correct you here. Um, if we, according to the age, um, Victoria's agenda is, if you have a look at it, um, uh, hang on, I can't find that bit. It's like that, I, I, in what you've said, okay, here it is. Victoria's agendas, how will you ensure people have access to healthcare when they need it? Um, I don't see that one on yours, so who's wrong here? Um, what will you do about the rising cost of living, living in particular housing? 
Oh, actually, there you go, point five, where I think your community is, is out of touch with the wider Victorian communities. What will you do to reduce the state's greenhouse gas emissions? So um, I think you need to let their commu- your community know that they are out of touch. They that need that, to... That to they're wrong. They are wrong. They must be wrong. Yep. Because um, this is one of the biggest... The biggest issue in my area, because we are so rural... Uh, majority of our, like we don't have a major city that's got more than 15,000 people. So that's that's a big town for us. Mm. So we are essentially an agriculture, rural um, electorate. Uh, the, the parties were writing city-based policies and then sending their members out here to sell them to the country people. Whereas I thought, let's do this differently. Let's get the country people to write the policies or, you know, put forward what, what they want to see fixed or, or issues that they deal with. And if I'm elected, that's what I'll be taking into parliament. They're the things that I'll be pushing into parliament because they're, they're the issues that my community sees and my community haven't had dealt with by these major parties. Mm. Okay. All right. Now. So that's where, that's where, so when it comes to the, the letting kids be kids, one of the biggest, so the, the, that was actually one of the top things that I've I've heard from from parents from you know school I've spoke to some school teachers um, is that these these kids they're not asking about it but they're having to be taught it in school and it's actually putting a divide within the family structure like kids are coming home and saying things that their parents didn't even know that they would know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they would question the schools as to where are my kids learning this, uh, they were basically told it's none of their business what they get taught at school. And that's the crux of the issue. A lot of the parents that I spoke to said if they knew what was in the curriculum, they wouldn't have as big of an issue with it. A lot of it is about the not being involved and not being able to see what their kids are, are being taught at school. That is the core of the issue. Because mm. they send their kids to school to learn how to function, how to how to do maths, English, science, you know, basic stuff that, that we need to, to grow and learn as into adults, mm. like develop, like mental development, not um, whatever is popular in The Guardian or, you know, whatever's making the, the headline on, on the Channel 9 News or, or whatever. Um, they need to learn practical things to put into the real world. And that that seemed to be the, the crux of the issue, mm. that they're just not being informed. Mm. Mm. Um, and, you know, please, um, I'm, you know, that was meant humorously when I said you, that you're, I understand that I you took it I that know. way. I just I don't want anyone that you share this with to think that I'm coming across <laughs> as arrogant and all that. But, um, yeah, it, it was, um, obviously, I, th- I think, the age isn't. I mean, if it didn't have newsprint on it, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> shit, it's got newsprint on it. So what can you do with it apart from lying in birds' yeah. cages? You can't use it as. Oh, I can start start my wood fire pretty well oh, with oh, it. The, oh, even that's <laughs> going to be outlawed soon too. Um, okay. Oh, I know. Yeah. Now, two two little things that I did want to have a bit of a rant about because I, I think um, one um, I think we're going to have a good good conversation about the other topic uh, is something that. Uh, is particular to me as well and um, I want to get some further clarification around it. Uh, First one is cut politicians' wages. Now, you've said uh, politicians' wages cost Victorian taxpayers over $40 million each financial year and it keeps going up. 
Uh, I'll put forward legislation to reduce politicians' wages by at least 20% and freeze any future increases to their wages until Victoria is out of debt. Uh, members of yep. Parliament shouldn't do their job for the money. They should do it because they want to help people. Now, um, this is similar to what the Victorian socialists had. Um, they wanted theirs capped at... Oh, really? Yeah, they wanted theirs capped at a um, nurse's salary, I think, which is, what, 80K or something like that. Um, and all that sort of stuff. So my pushback was that if you do that, then aren't you limiting your pool? Because the idea of politicians having wages and, um, you know, may get pushback from you here. I don't think that our politicians are paid enough, though let me explain that. Now, the, um, the idea of politicians getting paid so much was that you can attract the best talent. Uh, so you get ones yeah. that are likely to move into private private industry, um, you know, the, the, the private side, and you know you attract them to uh, you know the, the public sector work and to become a politician and all that sort of stuff. If you reduce the wage, then you're only going to get uh, likely ex-union officials, which the Labor Party's full of at the moment, um, yeah. lawyers and things like that, who will be using that as a stepping stone to something else. Uh, and now that being said, uh, as I said with with when I did the socialist uh, interview, was that I think Spring Street meets too much. I think that they should meet just one or two days a month, not um, twelve. Or, I think it's twelve, nine days a month. I think they meet um, because yeah, like yep, yeah, every time they meet, every time they meet, they pass a law, and that further restricts our rights and abilities and puts in nose into things. Um, yeah. If if you know. If they can make twice a year just to pass appropriation bills, I think that that would be a good thing. Um, anything yeah, else I don't disagree with you on that. needs to be left out. Um, but, yeah, my, my thing is is that obviously they never will, uh, but it's that if we reduce their salary, then you're not going to be attracting the ones that we should be attracting into politics, like the ones who do want to be left alone and who will be there to say, you know what, Yes, I've got this job, but I don't. I really don't care what people do. Let's just butt out of their lives. Let's just put the the, the time that we do spend. Let's go and just do that to use that time grilling. Um, you know, the uh, um, bureaucrats, the unelected bureaucrats who just control our lives. Um, so that yeah, that that's my thing. I mean, is there the the potential that that could you know with what I've said? So, yeah, go for well, it. I should explain where where that policy because that that's probably the only policy that um, like I heard a lot from people that they were saying oh will they get paid enough because you know I'm talking to farmers I'm talking to retail workers hospitality workers that that you know we I generally are on the the lower um, financial side mm. so so in the community that I'm in. Um, you know, getting paid two hundred grand—that's that's a lot of money—and then to have all the perks on top of it as well. When we don't see our MP out here, so it feels like they don't actually do any work. Um, so that—that's, I think, where a lot of lot of that particular policy came from. But I actually did some some rough figures, and look, I'm not an accountant, so don't don't take this as gospel. But I worked it out at at twenty percent off of um, an MP's wage. It's only about an eight grand year different difference in their their base wage. So this is just based on their base wage. Mm. Um, if you did that across the board, that's over four million dollars put back into 
um, Victoria's economy. So over a term, that's $16 million. And to put that into comparison, out here we need $17 million to get a brand new emergency de um, department and an ICU facilities at Hamilton Hospital. You cut by 20%. That's For us out here, that's basically our new emergency department and ICU, just by taking 20%. But the politicians only see about an eight grand difference but so over 52 years. So instead of doing that, let's let's keep the politician salary as it was, but then let's just scrap the the plan to um, sponsor the netball, because what was that fifteen million dollars? Well, exactly, exactly. You know, I mean that that's the other argument. They go around and and spending all this money, um, but again, we never see any of that spend in my electorate. We are the safest state. We get promised. We get nothing. Well, we'll see. We get absolutely nothing. We are the lowest funded electorate. In Victoria. That's a problem. It's too safe. It's too safe. It's too safe. Um, but but with, with, the, with the wages, if it's only making an eight, like, I mean, I know myself, I would be happy to take an eight grand pay cut if that, if that helped my area, like if, if I felt that that was the best way to do, to benefit my area. You know, policies are really just ideas mm. that are put out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I understand that. Yeah, I just want to, and you know. and that that's sort of where it came from. The the biggest thing with that policy though is tying it with the freezing the wage increases, because uh, I mean during during COVID, for example, they they continued to get their pay increases, and I know that they say it was independent, but who puts the pe an independent board that decides that? But who hmm. will it, who puts those people on that board? You know, we've got to be asking those questions. Um, when they when they actually froze, so so the politicians got I think it was two and a half percent right at a at hard lockdown, where in the same sitting week they froze emergency services um, wages to one point five percent, despite their their union agreements. So the politicians got like a two point five percent. But they froze the emergency service, so that and and I think healthcare might have been included in that as well. But they actually froze it, yeah, but, despite uh, inflation. Despite that's always their, happened. Their RBS. That's always happened. Um, every government has a um, a policy, a wages policy of, of normally one and a half or two percent, um, which then they then the independent body gave them two point five percent, which was above what everyone else gets. Yeah, because it's that's, tied to the. Uh, Federal politician salary. Wouldn't it be better to tie it to whether the state is in debt or not? So if, if we're if we're reducing debt and and we end up back in a surplus, that means the politicians are doing a great job. So they should be rewarded. If we're racking up heaps of debt, why should they they keep getting these these perks? So it's almost it's almost like a um, like when I've had staff before. If uh, I've always had a, a very good commission target it's generally been three times their wage any profits over that they get you know 10 or 15 depending on what level whether it was a junior or a manager um that sort of thing and it actually drove them to do better mm. yeah so see sort of the concept that, of that's because you've got it attached, uh, attached to a kpi there's no kpi for politicians well the, the kpi would be that if we're in surplus and um we can then you know not rack up all this debt that is borrowed from God knows where. Um, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Um, Albanese met with him today. 
Oh, I want to know that. <laughs> um, okay. Um, now, now, just. But yeah, that's that's the, that's sort of the the concept behind it is, um, you know, if if, if basically if a politician's doing a, a, an upstanding job, um, and and you know things things are getting well, but we're not going into even more debt, mm-hmm. then then yes, give them the pay rises because you know. They've earned it. Well, what happens I if I don't know? I come, I come from, I come from a a, a lifestyle where you work hard um, because you have got a goal at the end of it. Mm, I mean, it's almost like putting a goal to it. I I I'm not disagreeing with you here. I'm just trying to actually no. I mean, yes, I am disagreeing with you though. I understand the reasoning and and what you're doing um, and all that sort of stuff. And um, you know. I, I can see merit in it. Um, my only concern is is that if things like this become popular, then you're just going to get the ones that have that are going to use the the um, parliamentary period as a stepping stone to something else, and they're just there to mark time and and think, yep, I can get into this job or I can get into that job after that. Look, I, I I know that there is that that worry, and that's something that like me and my husband have spoken about because, like him being a police officer, he sees that you know once the wages go up, you know they lose a bit of things. Anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. Mm. Um, but I mean, look at this this election that we've got running right now. I know quite a few uh, minor party and independent candidates that it's not about the money; they're doing it because they want to help people. Mm. They're they're the money doesn't even come into it for for myself, and I know you've spoken to to Caroline. It 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 really isn't it. Like I, it's not just me saying this, but if I if I got elected and I didn't get paid, that wouldn't be an issue for me. Like I obviously it would financially because I'd have no money, but I'm not doing this for money. Mm. And there, I know of plenty plenty that 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 is not their driving force. So I I still think I think that twenty percent. Is probably the limit that we could cut it before you start dropping who gets in there because mm. something's got to change. Mm. And and like I said, policies are just ideas, and uh, they need to be discussed oh. and they need to be challenged. And yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, I yep, yeah, you know, something does need to change. I mean, um, you know, there, there's so much is wrong with Spring Street. Um, that and I think I think part of it too is um, right now there it's it's not like we can go in and 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 find them or because we don't have the we don't have the legal recourse for them if they make a bad, a poor decision for their electorates um, they, there's no monetary um, disadvantage to them whether they do their job well or whether they do it bad and one way it it, it almost seems like you you, you take and like I don't particularly like labor but you you take labor and and I back they they get caught out they get told yes you've done something wrong but there's no repercussion and what's one way that you can you can um, basically uh, hurt people is hit them in the hip pocket it's 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 just an idea yeah oh yeah 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 and you know as you've said they're there to be spoken about and um, discussed further, so um, and 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 they 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 they're there to evolve and then come into what what is suiting the most amount 
of people in your electorate. Mm. And that's what I was saying earlier is that for me out here, we yes, we've got some very well well off farmers, but they've worked bloody hard to get that. Mm. Mm. Um, most people out here, you know, they're 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 old school family farm farms that right now you you basically have to run your farm in debt for it to be a to to make ends meet because you always have to have a level of debt mm. to make it viable in farming right now. And um, so they don't take home a lot of money. And then they see these people driving around and having their flashy dinners and, and but then they're not working. Whereas these, these farmers and these even retail workers and country pubs, they work so hard and they, they just get shit on by the government. Mm. Mm. Oh, you, don't, you know, <laughs> don't, you're not going to get any argument from me on that one um, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, um, you know, just a bit of a side note, the, the bit that's really concerned me about the whole um, Labor Party and wage, you know, their uh, government wages policy and all that sort of stuff is that the unions in one industry, as you've said, emergency services, etc., have to fight for one and a half or two percent, and yet yeah. in the same organ, you know, in the same, um, let's say, you know, group. Obviously, we're talking about unions here that they're pushing for people that unload containers to get a five and a half or seven percent salary increase. I mean, like, how can the union movement justify it when they accept one group having to fight when they're more essential than container unloaders? And, and I really don't care what any union official says. The whole thing can be automated and as soon as it gets automated, then, you know, things might run a little bit smoother. Um, but, you know, frontline people um, and, and all that sort of stuff, like, yeah, you know, when you talk about whose job's a little bit more... Uh, necessary. Um, I mean, I, mean I, I can't understand how you can you can be a traffic controller for council and get paid forty five dollars mm. an hour, but you work in aged care and you get paid twenty three. Mm-hmm. How how how? Like no wonder we've got a job shortage in um, aged care because you get paid nearly double being a traffic controller. Yep. For the council. Like, yep. Yep. The balance, I think, one of the things is that the balance in so so many things is is off. Mm. Mm. Um, things things that are important that we generally take for for granted, like healthcare workers and like emergency services, because they've always been there. Um, it's becoming too it, because of the state that the government is. They they're understaffed, overworked, underpaid. And eventually the dam's going to break. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, yeah. Yep. You won't get any error from me on that one. Now, um, <laughs> the next one, a um, bit of a hard segue into the next bit. Um, now, this is something that's a little bit near and dear to me um, for, for different issues. Um, firearms. Now, you yep. say firearms are a necessary tool used for uh, used in our farming and agricultural communities. Um, I disagree with that. Um, really? I... I um, what makes you, um, okay, what makes where you are that special that you're entitled to you have firearms when me being the outer suburban city slicker is excluded from that? And I understand your region, am, so I'm not, I'm not I aiming am, at this you directly, yeah, so, so please don't think that. Um, happy for anyone as long as they are a legal and, re- and responsible firearms holder 
that it's it's their right to have a firearm. Mm. Um, if if you're into hunt, I don't know if you're into no, hunting. No. Um, but if you are, I'm I'm more than happy for I I I didn't the policy is not to exclude metro. It was to explain that that they are actually a necessity out here, particularly on farms. Mm. Oh no, I understand that. I'm just. Yeah. Trying to put you in a little bit of a back foot there, thinking shit, what's going on? Um, yeah, no, no, no. It was, it was never, it was never meant to exclude more metro areas because I, I, as long as they're they're legally obtained and responsibly owned, in accordance with, I mean, I think some of the legislation is a bit overboard, but um, you know, firearm safe, stored correctly. No, I, I see. Or, I, I disagree with that because then. When you're talking about stored correctly, then uh, as per legislation, well, the legislation is always going to change to well, make things I harder. I didn't, yeah, and I didn't say that I agree with the legislation. Mm. I said stored correctly, well, which basically means that there's just not a round in the chamber to me. Yeah, so, yeah, you, you make it cupboard safe, yep. Um, yeah, you make it cupboard safe. Yep. Um, where there's, there's, you know, no access to children and, um, like, unsupervised because, mm. you know, um, things like that. I think. I think. I mean, I, I don't know how many firearms uh, listeners you have, but you know, the the legislation is getting extremely over the top and overbearing. Um, and I know that they are saying that they are are doing it in in uh, as in safety for the firearms holders. But if they really cared about safety or of, of people in general, then we shouldn't be able to be to buy knives without a permit. Yep. Or forks or screwdrivers. Yep. Or chainsaws. Or cars. I mean, you can walk into yep. you can walk in yes, you can walk into any Bunnings and there is a multitude of power tools that can be used as deadly weapons. Yep. The the difference is is that a firearm, its essential function is to cause harm. No, it's not. It, a firearm's is. function is to pro, is to push a projectile out. It's the design of the projectile that does whatever. Like, okay, you, you look at a wad cutter, a wad, the impact of a wad cutter is going to be completely different oh, okay. to a round nose yeah. or to a hollow point. So, um, yeah, I, you know, as, as we said off air, I'm, I'm leaning more to the anarchistic side of things, but I have been a shooter for a number of years um, and all that sort of stuff. But I just disagree with uh, the way our laws have been um, drafted. Um, I think that we should get out of the National Firearms Agreement. Um, oh, I think I'm, we definitely should get out of that. I think we should definitely get out of it. The next time I see, uh, uh, you know, someone from the media saying Australians, Australians gun laws, it's like, man, Australia doesn't have gun laws. It's up to each individual state to do it. And um, yeah. it, it's a thing. I mean, you know, I think over the last two years uh, it's shown those who are, uh, those of us who are aware, and by no means am I advocating for anything, um, but it, sh- it has shown, I believe, a lot of us why the Americans are so attached to their Second Amendment. Um, yeah. Not saying, as I've said, not saying that I want to see people in the streets with firearms or anything like that, because as we've seen in the US, even though they've got the Second Amendment, most of them still had draconian lockdowns and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, yeah. But I think that... Um, it, it, it needs to change um, and 
um, I can't remember what podcast I heard it on, um, but they said that the governments only want to take away your guns because they want to do bad things to you. And I think that that is well and truly the case here. Um, I, As you've, you've said, um, you know, I've got a kitchen drawer full of knives, uh, of kitchen knives. Um, we've seen, okay, we've seen the, the therapeutics that have been pushed out onto people, the impact that that's doing. Um, yeah. the the lockdowns that are screwing with people's I mean, if, mental if, health. If they really care about people's health and safety, we should be banning sugar too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> totally agree. Why were gyms locked? Why were gyms closed yet friggin' KFC and Hungry Jacks and McDonald's were allowed to stay open? Yeah. Um yeah. so and and all that. But so I, I don't I don't know if you know this, but during the lockdowns, unless you were a primary producer you could not purchase ammunition or a new firearm or anything yep. like that. So a lot of uh, smaller farms that were not deemed primary producers, uh, our first uh, lambing season out here during the whole COVID thing, foxes went the bread like crazy because we could not get ammo. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know personally myself um, – I had one lot of chickens taken and my husband went and bought me more because they just died from a fox and then another fox came through. We we, we couldn't protect our property. Mm. And there were a lot of people, and with primary producers too, with the firearms laws, they can only shoot on their own property. So it's not like we could go to our neighbours and go, come over here and, and shoot these, these pest foxes um, because they're killing, you know, livestock. Um, we actually had to get, we like if if we if we wanted to eradicate it, we would have actually had to have hired someone, because um, yeah, we could not continue to buy ammunition. Mm. And I mean, speaking of that, I mean, they had to change their requirements for uh, handgun compliance because to to keep your hand. Um, handgun license that you need to attend so many shoots and all that sort of stuff. So they changed that yep. for for the Wu flu lockdown and yet with the ammunition shortage, they're not doing anything to do that and that's a government-imposed ammunition shortage too. So it's yep. getting to the point where if, if it continues that, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people in the next 12 months that aren't going to be compliant um, and there's going to be yep. a lot of people that aren't even able to go um, shooting because of the the increase in the costs, um, yeah. which it's just yeah. So I mean, I, I should probably explain though. I actually am I'm not a shooter. Like I, it's not something that I enjoy um, personally. I don't have my firearms license. Uh, my husband uh, enjoys shooting and hunting, and he's got his firearms licenses and. Um, and, you know, I know how to shoot because it is a necessity on our farm. Like if there is um, a fox or, um, you know, there's wild dogs in my area, if they're attacking our livestock, I need to be able to um, protect my livestock. But I only do it because I'm unlicensed when my husband is at home because he's the licensed. And he supervises uh, you, which is what you're allowed to do within the legislation. Me, yep. Yes. Yes. Um, but... I, it doesn't mean that even though I don't particularly enjoy shooting, that we should, uh, like, I, I want to advocate for every person in my area. And there is a huge uh, uh, shooters and hunters um, 
uh, need and, and enjoyment in my area. Like, I mean, I was really surprised we didn't get the Commonwealth Games shooting out here. I was actually a bit disappointed in that uh, because I know that that would have been an absolute treat for the electorate of Lowen. I think it would have been a boost to our economy. And, was it going know, to Shepparton or something, isn't it? Uh, yeah, somewhere, I don't know, somewhere other than here. Yeah. Because they didn't, like, they didn't even try to get it here. Because you're too so, safe, that's why. Yeah. They, I don't even think they put their hand up mm. for it. But, yeah, so, like, uh, even though, like, I and I'm not overly experienced with firearms, but I, I do think that there is a need to have better advocacy for firearms use here in Australia. Um, because they, it's like anything, there, there is, there is a time and a place for them, um, and we need to protect that. Okay. Now, talking about time and place, um, you've mentioned suppressors. Um, allow suppressors yeah. for all categories of firearms. This is for our H&S reasons to protect the shooter's hearing. Yeah. Now, oh my gosh, have you ever spoken to a shooter that has not had decent yep. hearing, even double hearing protection? Um, they can't hear you. Yep. Um, <laughs> they, they, they lose their hearing and. I have that. Um, I'm left-handed, so my hearing is shit in my right ear. Yeah, um, and even with double ear protection, um, it with uh, depending on the calibers uh, of the rifles and stuff. Yeah, that's not good enough. Mm. And so, and suppressors aren't like movies. You don't, you know, if you're in the next room, you yeah. hear it, and it doesn't you go. You hear it on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. You, if you're uh, like, let's say you're on a a huge paddock, you're still going to hear it. But it's also, it, it, you know, yes, it's for occupational health and safety um, to protect the shooter's hearing. Um, but it's actually also better for the livestock and stuff as well. If you're, if you're uh, and, and native animals, if you're out hunting, um, because it does take that, just that little edge off of yeah, the, sharpness. the sound, um, it, it doesn't stress other animals as much. Mm. So if you're hunting or if you, you're, you're pest shooting, uh, the last thing you actually want to do is stress an animal. It's one of the reasons that there's there's uh, when like you're herding sheep, they they are uh, they're moving more towards uh, using dogs rather than uh, motorbikes and stuff because it's less stressful for the animal. It's it's sound related. So there's there's also that aspect of as as well that I haven't put in the policy, but it is it is there. Mm. I mean, um, it, yeah. it's the thing, and it's just baffled me that suppresses. You know, it, it's a massive rigmarole that you have to go through to get it, and yet, yeah, you know, everything else right. is done for OHS, and yet, you know, it, what is it? Um, Eighty decibels, you need hearing protection, and yet you can be, um, you know, exposed to the, the bangs of firearms all day, and not, you, you know, whatever hearing protection you've got, that's it, uh, and yet, yeah. it goes against the. You know the the what is it the hazard reduction and all that sort of stuff. Um, I mean hmm. the the amount of the amount of wives and I don't like to stereotype, but it's generally been the wives because I, I'm a hairdresser. When they like in my salon, when they go, I'm so sick of watching telly with my with the subtitles on because my husband can't hear. Hmm. Like that's 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 what it gets gets like is that that's how bad the hearing gets or or you know they'll they'll say i can only talk to my husband on one side or my partner on one side because they're hearing shot in the other one because that's that's the side that they shoot with yep um so you know anything that we can protect people's hearing mm. um you know 
that that's a that's a good thing that I see. I think that suppressors have been demonized. Um, definitely, movies have made it seem like they're quieter than what they are. But yeah, they're they're just again, it's just a practical um, safety mechanism that we can use. And I'm not saying that they have to be on all of them. If people don't, they want to ruin their hearing, that's fine. But it should be optional for mm. all categories of firearms holders. Mm. Yep, don't disagree with you there. Um, something now, uh, did mention something about, I think we were talking about off air, um, about trying to get you on doozies and all that sort of stuff. Here's one that I'm going to get you on. Um, yep. It's about cutting excessive taxes. And yep. I, to an extent, don't disagree with you. Now, I do think that payroll tax should be abolished. I think that that is, if you combine that with the scale of the weird formula that they use to work out work cover insurance, um, that's just freaking baffling. Um, okay, if we reduce stamp duty by 50%, uh, abolish payroll tax um, and remove overreaching taxes such as windfall gains tax and luxury car tax, how are you going to pay for things? Uh, go through the um, government waste. There is so much money wasted throughout government departments that, uh, you know, it's, it's like every time I'm trying to think of something that I can use as an example. Okay. Let's, okay. 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 Uh, this is going to probably put you in, a, in, in bad standing with your hubby. Um, let's talk about the coppers. Yeah, okay, I've got the perfect example for you with the coppers. They 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 get the new rollout of the tasers. Mm-hmm. Okay? So they 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 promise all these new rollouts of the tasers. Takes a long time. They have the procurement stage. They've they've got to get through all the all the rigmarole to get them rolled out. In the meantime, all their current tasers needed new batteries. So mm-hmm. the government went and wasted millions of dollars on getting new batteries for tasers. That they're going to replace. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> when they're when the with the procurement stage, there is only one supplier of taser. Mm. So, why do they need a procurement stage when there is only one supplier of tasers? Because you know you're going to get them through that one supplier. Like that is the perfect example of waste. Mm. Mm. Oh man. <laughs> Doesn't it just? You've got to bang your head. It, it is there, and, and I and I know that that is happening in other departments. Mm. It's like every time they roll out something new, it ends up costing ten times more because of these ridiculous steps that they put in between. Where if you had someone there that actually knew what they were doing or was pragmatic, would go, all right, this is what needs to be done. This is how we get there. Let's do it. Mm. I mean, not, <laughs> yeah. didn't they spend, what was it, the Harbour Tunnel, uh, Harbour Tunnel, the Suburban Rail was 130K for a diversity officer or some shit like that? Yep. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I know. That's, that's, that's essentially like a, one of the things and, and a, a lot of, there is just so much waste in the government. I don't I know a simple way of explaining it, but we actually need to get someone to, to do an audit on the government, mm. like, a, like a proper audit. 
and then to to actually have checks and balances to see like if it, if you were running a business the way the government does it would be bankrupt oh yeah it would be it, it would yeah they just they just I, I can't explain how much they waste mm. money on on just ridiculous stuff it's like uh you know Changing, uh, wasn't there a council that they were going to change the name or whatever? And I know yeah. that that's a council, but that was going to cost millions and millions of dollars just in signage. And they're still going to do it. They're still going to do it. Why do they need to change the whole sign? I mean, I, I personally, I don't think that they need to change the name of it, but why can't they just put stickers over them? There is a cheaper way and it doesn't cost taxpayer money. Uh, because stickers will eventually come off um, because... The time it takes to adequately prepare the surface and to <laughs> add, no, no, okay. I, I used to yeah. be a screen printer, um, sign writer, and all that sort yeah. of stuff way back in a previous life. So, uh, if you're yeah. going to do that, and then to train the people to uh, sufficient to put a sticker on properly, is going to be more than what it would cost to unbolt a sign and to put a new yeah. one in. Yeah. I suppose that is true. Um, probably wasn't the best example, but yeah, there's just no. I mean, there is why change the name in the first place? Why? Yeah, why change the name in the first place? Yep. If something isn't broken, why fix it? Yep. Yep, and it comes down like to just, getting to the wokes and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, in Melbourne, didn't they change all those lights? You know, so that they're non-male or female flashing lights or something. Like, why? Why they? are we spending our money on that? I don't. I don't know. I think they trialed it oh. a few years ago. Uh, but why why are we spending our money on that when we we've got roads that are falling apart? We've got um, hospitals that you know have to crowdfund to get an MRI machine. Okay, um, now, all know, right. These are these are not the important. Going going on, <laughs> no, completely agree with that. Um, so going to my anarchistic side of things, why should it be up to the government to pay for it? Why doesn't this community get together and say, you know what, let's stuff this, let's well, push these people what out? We've been doing out here. Mm. That's well with raising money for. For um, hospital equipment, that's essentially what we've been doing out here um, with the Western District Health Services. Uh, they have crowdfunded to get the new MRI machine, and now they are crowdfunding to get the renovations done mm. to fit the machine into the hospital. But we still need a new ED and ICU, and we've only got one palliative care um, bed in all of Hamilton Hospital. Like it's. That the, the the issue with where I am is that the facilities uh, are, are so old and outdated that we almost don't have the time to crowdfund. And also there, there's not it, – it cost of living is going up. Like, I mean, I, I personally, before all this, I, you know, I, I donated to the MRI machines, but I couldn't afford a lot. Mm. Like, I don't I can – you know, I bought – and then, like, I've tried, I've, I've bought raffle tickets, you know, every little bit that I can, but, you know, most people don't have, they can't just walk in and go, oh, I'm going to spare $5,000. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, the areas that need it the most don't have the disposable income to be able to fund it themselves. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Yeah, now, so, yeah, being aware of yeah. time here, I just wanted to, hopefully we can go through this one quickly. Um mm-hmm. Cutting the crap. Our government has been ramming through new legislation. Uh, has been ramming new legislation through Parliament with little objection. Our current representation has not been fighting back hard enough. Instead, they have been embracing much of this new legislation abundance of regulation. 
to push the um, whatever that word is. Agrarian. Yeah, that's it, socialist agenda. Um, Yes. Hmm. Let's elaborate that one a bit more. Um, As I mentioned, I'd love to see Spring Street meet twice a year um, just to pass appropriation bills. Uh, Anything else, then you know what, they can go and take two to the valley. Um, Yeah. So, so one of one of the the biggest. So, when everyone was looking at the um, pandemic bill, for example, what was happening is Labor wanted a lot of attention on the pandemic bill because there were other things that they were working on, and there were other things that they were pushing through. Um, and they were regulation, like the Wimple Gains got tapped through, and then we had the the biosecurity amendment more recently. And what they do is they they try to put a new they amend an already existing bill, um, which makes it messy mm-hmm. and it's like chopping and changing. Uh, but what they're doing is they're setting a lot of this they're over regulating it to try to um, I, I'm trying to think of the words that that properly explains it. Uh, I don't want to say confuse, but... Yeah, it's too much legalese. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not simple language. It's just, yeah. It's not It's not simple language. And because it's written that way, they can spin it to suit their agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to st- we'll pull back on that and make... If we have more regulation, make it clear, concise, and have and make it be able to be implemented practically. So let's take the the biosecurity, for example. There there was a bit of a hoo ha. Well, I don't want to say hoo ha, but there was there was a bit of uproar about them using the words um, authorized officers. They've done authorised officers. They've specifically used... Essentially, they they mean it to be police officers, but they've specifically used authorised officers because that leaves the door open for any government body. Yep. So that shows that they're, that they're, they're basically playing both sides. But that's what they always and, um, do. That's well, what that they do with everything. That needs to stop. Well, it's a way of them just, you know, Im- improving the unemployment um, numbers in Victoria. I mean, have a look at um, the the Public Health and Wellbeing Act has got authorised officers, and we've seen them walking around doing word flu checks checks on people, <laughs> and making sure that everyone had their um, their COVID safe plan up to date. Yeah. So yeah. you know, and then you know, there were authorised officers doing that. Now they've um, um, al- almost turned WorkSafe into a a law enforcement arm instead of being a, an education and regulator. Um, so, you know, there's authorised officers under that, um, under Occupation Health and Safety now, and that's going to be the, uh, you know, WorkSafe and, and other people. Um, yeah, because, I mean, that's one of the, one of the biggest feedbacks that I, I got from people uh, when, I was, when I was putting the policies together is that they didn't understand the legislation or the regulations. Like, they, they actually just didn't understand it. And they quite a few, like, I went to a, a meeting out at Casterton and we were talking about the windfall gains and and the windfall gains took me ages to understand because the way that they write it 
it you you get half a page in and then it it says as referred to in you know the gaming and and kino um, legislation. So then you've got to get that legislation to read to find that section, and then that goes to another bit of legislation. It's all intertwined. It's so messy. Mm. And and all these people were asking me. They're like, we need concise. We need to understand what is happening. We need concise, straightforward, less less messiness. Net. It it just needs to be simple, straightforward that we can understand that we can implement properly um, because they they didn't know whether they should or should not object to something because it's too confusing for them. Well, I mean, if the last couple of years have been anything to go by, anything that the government puts forward you should object to, regardless of what it is. <laughs> but, I mean, so like the, the biosecurity um, amendments that they put through, yes, there was some bad stuff in there. But from a farming point of view, there was actually some really good stuff in there as well because we, we did have the, you know, barley does have foot and mouth um, and the only way that they can eradicate that is through vaccination. So that's not going to be a, a quick fix. Um, so from a farming point of, point of view, we, we do need um, good bio, actual biosecurity, um, as in what the property owner... Um, can can in stop coming onto their properties, but, but no. then they they over they over regulated it by you know basically saying you can't grow veggies in your backyard. Okay, I mean let's, <laughs> I, I'll push back on you on that one. Why why go buy yeah. security? Why not just reinforce private property rights? Well, we we could they you could go that avenue, and I I, I agree with you. They they very well could have gone that avenue, um, but I I suppose because. Um, you know, when it, when you talk about biosecurity, it's about bringing uh, germs onto... And it has other farm. purposes. It does also have other purposes. And this this is the this thing. It's like we have huge property rights issues out here and it's, it's not just from the Biosecurity Act. We've got the wind farms being built um, everywhere and there's transmission lines that are going to go up um, and we have pro- different property rights that we've got property rights issues with them as well. So, yes, we could we could expand that whole property rights um, area and we could tackle all of that. We could definitely do that. That would actually be a more practical way of, of helping farmers now that mm. I think about it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just get rid of all this other meaningless bullshit, just reaffirm private property <laughs> rights. That way, you know, it's it's your property. You decide what happens on it. You can well, decide yeah, who comes like, and goes off it. It's like with the protesters. Like they, like it's great that there's there's higher fines for um, people that think it's a good idea to go to farms and protest. Now, you know, I, I'm glad to see their their um, their fines go up. But the first thing I thought about was they to get that fine, the police have to show up. But we're so understaffed with police and that's not a high priority for them. They physically have to see or they have to get footage or or something of that protester causing causing harm to that, that bit of property or, or property owner or whatever they do. Um, by the time the police get out there to, to find them and charge them, they've gone. Mm. So that's not a practical implementation of the find. I think it's, I, I, I believe extreme activism 
you know, when you're damaging someone's property and you, you, you're causing grief for someone that's just trying to earn a living, um, uh, you know, that's, that's wrong. And I, I do think that they should be held account, the protesters should be held accountable. But the way that that's going to get enforced, it's not practical. Okay, you, you've mentioned that and I will disclose to you now that I'm vegan, have been for 30-odd years. Um, One of my best friends is a vegan. So uh, also to make it clear, I absolutely disagree with all that still sort of stuff, have opposed that right from day dot. Um, so, okay, Andy Medic's your upper house member um, yep. for that one. Now, he's a big supporter of, of all that um, have you invited him to the farm to see how it works and, and what happens and all that sort of stuff? Now, I know that uh, Chris Delforce, who's the one of Farm Transparency Project or whatever the hell they've changed their name to now, um, he's running in Northeast Metro, which is where I am. Um, yep. And have you put the invitation out to him to say, hey, this is what happens on our farm? To be honest, no, no, I haven't because um, there's been other issues that Andy Medic's been pushing that have sort of caught my attention. <laughs> um, like he he was a big pusher of um, reintroducing the dingoes into the Grampians. Now, that's, that's not going to happen in the Grampians, but that could potentially happen at um, other national parks in Victoria. What's wrong with which, that? Um, look, I, I want to start by saying I absolutely think that dingoes are amazing, amazing animals. Uh, but with the Grampians, for example, uh, where they wanted to reintroduce them, um, sheep farmers live right at the foot of the Grampians. They're, and their li- there was no protections put in place for their livestock. So the, the dingoes that they wanted to in- reintroduce are hybrid dingoes. And there's also wild dogs that they're going to crossbreed. The potential for that, for them crossbreeding with the wild dogs and um, destroying livestock, okay. it was apparent. Yep. So um, why and these farms, these farms couldn't switch to cropping because of the type of land that they're on. Um, it's not suitable to switch it to to you know barley or, mm. or canola or anything like that. Um, it, it's it's prime sheep land. It's it's great for sheep. Um, but, you know, dingoes, why a dingo a, a dingo is going to attack a, a sheep giving birth to a lamb and mm. slaughter it. Um, it. They also attack native animals. Like, uh, I, I don't want to be seeing roos, like wallabies. We've got a huge wallaby population down here. Um, we've got the little bandicoots. We've got possums. We've got ring um, little sugar gliders. Like, they're, they're the sorts of... Um, things that that dingoes will go after because they're a pre- they're an apex predator. Mm. So what was his plan? What was the reasoning behind introducing the dingoes? So there was there was an environmental study um, study or, or something that happened about eighteen months ago, um, and one of the many many recommendations, I think, may have been possibly uh, look at. It didn't say to actually reintroduce them but it was to look at reintroducing more native species. Um, 
And also they want farmers to stop using 1080 mm. poison. Personally, I don't like 1080. I wouldn't use it on my property. Um, but if if your livelihood is getting destroyed by pest animals and you can't, if for some reason you can't stay on top of pest shooting and that sort of stuff uh, and you feel that you have to use 1080, uh, you need to have that as, a, as an option. I, I don't think that we should ban it. Yeah, but it has to be something because it's an, just an indiscriminate killer. It's like putting rat sack everywhere. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the solution is, but, I mean, I think if you get to the stage, and this is just me personally, if we get mm. to the stage that, that we would need to use 1080, there's something there's something wrong with our little farm. Mm. Like there's, there's, there's something bigger going on. But I, I don't think that we necessarily need to ban it because most people around here don't use it. So you're banning something for the sake of banning it at the, at the same time. Like it... I mean, I've, ne- I've never actually met a farmer that uses it. <laughs> okay, so if farmers aren't using it, what's what's the harm in banning it? Uh, because if, if, well, I mean, you should even tie it, if they make the firearms laws stricter and they, you know, what if they come and start taking all of that? Uh, Two different things. Two different things. If, yeah, if you, what's, if, what's, our next, what's our next option? Okay, if you ban 1080, you look for other, other things. There will maybe... Um, it will uh, incentivize the market to create a, a different product that's not. And, and that and that would be great. That would be great if there if there was a, an alternative to ten eighty. I'd be all for that. Mm. I just I just think before we go banning something that that, that should be available. Mm. Otherwise, it's just banning. It's it's yeah. Yeah, but and, and it's it's a big. Um, endless loop. Like it, it, there's not going to be any development on it, it while there's it that is. while 1080 is available, and the only way to get development on it is to get rid of 1080. Or hey, let's you know, even if you turn around and say, oh, there's going to be a phase out. Well, a phase out is most likely going to last 20 years, in which case there's still not going to be any development into it. Um, so you know, and unfortunately, being a new product, it probably wouldn't be. Uh, cost yeah, competitive to 1080 in the initial phases, maybe 10 years down the track once it, it's been out there for a while. Um, but, you know, it, it's the thing. Sometimes we become too reliant on government um, and, you know, and, and as I said, I make it clear, I, I despise everything that the government does. Um, yeah. Though it's the thing that the market should step up and, and uh, you know, yeah, take yeah, the initiative. And- market gen it like really should should step up um but how do we get people to go into the market to do that what's the incentive for them to get into the market to do that and that's out of the scope of this little podcast um and and all that so i mean you know it's just a conversation i mean um you know look the the, the biggest the biggest reason like and 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 i'm honest I, i really don't want anything to do with andy medic um neither do i neither do i yeah um, I, yeah, um, I don't, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't really have much to say. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I've ranted about it a lot. I, I think he's just put the whole vegan discussion back 30 I, years. I, um, yeah, his, his attitude with everything has just, um, he's just pushing his Marxist agenda. Uh, he's doing what yeah. he can to stay in power and he's, he's just pleading, you know, siding with the government because he knows he's only, only going to be a one-termer. 
So he's trying to get as yeah. much mileage out of it as he can. And oh, yeah, um, dropped today. He dropped some stuff today about grand jury and and um, yet, yeah, he's and yet from what I understand, he only got in because of grand jury. Yes, yes, he did. Um, look, I, I know I know a lot of the people that were running that are running for the Liberal Democrats, um, and I it was only because of Glenn Jury's preferences that he overtook them last election. Otherwise, we would have had a third Liberal Democrat. Okay. Yeah, it's your Could you imagine what the last few years would have been like if we had a third one in there? Yeah, it'd be worse. Liberal Democrats? Yep. I think they're socialists in suits. I don't think that they're libertarians or anything. What well, what makes you say that? Because I, 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 in full honesty, because I'm, I, I actually ran with the Liberal Democrats in the federal election. Mm. Okay. Um, um, all right. Two things. Um, first of all, okay, um, I follow the National Shooters Council and they promote Tim Quilty as being, you know, God's gift to firearms owners and all that sort of stuff. Yes, he does get into Parliament and seems to have a bit of an unhealthy obsession with um, LRD, though yep. it's a thing not once, okay, if they're libertarians, I have not once heard them inside of Parliament or outside of Parliament about decentralising the powers of Victoria, of LRD in particular. And yeah, oh, I don't disagree with you. I'm not part of the Liberal Democrats anymore. Yep. I'm just interested to see why, why you believe that they're socialists in suits. They're socialists in suits because um, in particular David Limbrick and my views are, okay, first of all, his thing that he goes to the election with is to legalise cannabis. Like, you know, from the anarchistic point of view, absolutely agree that cannabis should be legalised, should be decriminalised and all that sort of stuff, though uh, the Victorian community has a lot bigger issues going on at the moment than legalising yep. cannabis. There is not the support structure for those who will face the negative um, consequences of cannabis use. There is not the infrastructure there to stop people using cannabis in the first place and yet he just wants to go to parliament with that. Um, they have not once mentioned anything about decentralising anything. Um, Lembrick was pushed on the uh, crap that's going in, in in schools and he was indifferent to it because it's the parents' choice. Well, no, it's not the parents' choice. That shit shouldn't be in schools in the first place. Um, and... There's, there's a whole lot. Um, okay, there was that um, uh, logging protest bill that yeah. uh, Limbrick and Quilty had differing positions on. Now, Quilty supported the landholder, which, yes, private property rights, completely agree with that. Limbrick took the position of the um, right to protest. Well, I really, any libertarian worth half their salt will believe and will have the view that private property rights trumps the right to protest. Because without private, yeah. pro- private property rights, protesting is, is is useless. So for Limbrick to push that, it shows where his uh, loyalties lie and what his, his aim is. Um, uh, Quilty, as I've said before, never mentioned anything about uh, decentralisation of LRD, let's push. And, and you know what? He, you know, he's, a, he's a minor party. Um, yeah. You know, at, at the time, you've always got to think you're a one-term politician. So let's just push, let's just go for hell for leather. Let's just push it all out there, start a conversation. Start a conversation on decentralisation of yeah. LRD. Bring the power to the gun clubs because we all have to be a member of a gun club to be, yeah. you know, for, for genuine reason. Yeah. Why can't they issue the PTAs? Why can't they issue the licences? Not one mention of that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I completely disagree with that they're libertarians. 
And then there's also the thing that they had jury on payroll for the last four years so they can get a seat, get two seats. So, you know, how can they be fiscally responsible or libertarians when they're pushing, they're getting the taxpayer to pay for their seats? That's just, that's... I'm trying not yeah, to drop so a naughty I mean, word there. Yeah. That just shows no, that they're not no, libertarians. That's that's perfectly like I'm and look as I said I ran with them and and I I I am not a member of their party anymore and I, I ran chose to run as an independent because uh, one of one of the biggest things that I realised with um, and and I I just see it as any party for me right now. That's not what our, our my, the area that I live in doesn't need a party line. And parties are the problem. We need, yeah, we need we need someone that is going to listen to the community, and put the community's needs first above getting that extra seat, above a, a philosophy, above whatever. It's just we we're so left behind out here that it, it needs to not be about the person in parliament, it needs to be about the electorate and the people in the community mm. that need genuine representation. And and that's 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 the, the main reason that I, I didn't want to run with the Liberal Democrats, plus I didn't, uh, when you brought up the legalised cannabis stuff, uh, yeah, there is no way I would be in with a chance here if I ran on that. This is, you know, mm. this is old school nationals heartland. That's just, yeah. And I agree with you about the implementation of it. Like I, I am, I don't think that we're uh, that Australia is ready to legalize cannabis. I think we should be decriminalizing it and sorting out the medical uses better, uh, so that there's more availability for medical use. Mm. Um, but I, I just don't think that we've got the the other the other um, the safety net as you know with mental health and and the counselling and the, the healthcare systems, we, we, we cannot go through legalising cannabis right now. I totally like agree. Australia is just not, it's just not ready. Totally not agree. In 10 years or, or, you know, once, once we get things a bit more on, you know, fixed up, yeah, let's look at it again. But now is not the time to be talking about mm. legalising. Totally cannabis. agree. Totally agree. And, and that was the thing is that that's what he goes, you know, he, he goes to the, yeah. the election with. Because he's scared of the the cannabis party that has just been registered, yeah. and he thinks that they're going to take yeah. his votes, and even even going on this one, so you know, and it, it, it bugs me no end that the um, people, so many people are pushing as libertarian at the federal election. Yeah, Limbrick went onto yeah, that look, thing. There actually are there actually are some genuine libertarians within the LDP, but they're they're actually not having their voices shown through right now. That shows um, your problem with the party system. Get out of the party. Just run yeah, as an independent. That, and and look, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping I didn't leave the Lib Dems on bad terms. I mean, I they, they're still nice to me when I see them at, at you know public things. But um, can't guarantee they will be after this. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Look, look. I, I and this is this is one of the things. I personally don't believe that overall, as a party, they're genuinely libertarian because if you were libertarian uh well for starters you probably wouldn't even be in government yep <laughs> um but yes i do agree you would be pushing for more the decentralization of the government 
Um, but I do believe that there are some very good people still in the Liberal Democrats um, that I'm hoping that this election that they get up based on primary vote. I mean, there. I think so. You said you're in North East Metro. Yep. Mayor Tessa reached out to her a number of times. She refuses to keep in contact with me. She oh, really? Doesn't respond to any of the messages I've sent her through Facebook. Okay. Let me have a chat with her. Because I want. I want to ask that question. I want to ask that question. Yeah. Um, Mayor Mayor is 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 a wonderful person. Um, she she's doing all this for the right reasons, and um, she she is genuinely a libertarian. Um, she she is is. How do I say? Uh, look, this is a public podcast, and this probably come to bite me on the ass. But no, no, okay. Well, don't say it. No, no, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. You know, gotta look after you and all that sort of stuff. So, oh, um, but I'm also I'm also happy to be to be open and honest. I I, I okay. Here's here's another way of me putting it. I would like to see someone like Mayor Tessa get elected with the Liberal Democrats, so that she can make the Liberal Democrats libertarians. I, I'd love to believe you, but I haven't ha- haven't been able to talk to her. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll have a and <laughs> and thank you. Now, now with this thing about everyone's pushing as libertarian, and and the bit that that has really sold it to me that that their socialists in suits is the federal election. There was that um, big uh, independence thing that um, Avi Yamini and Rukshan did. Where they interviewed a whole lot of the the people from the minor parties and or what they call the freedom friendly parties, they came on to firearms and they were Limbrick was, was blatantly well. asked, "Do you support a Second Amendment type for Australia?" And he said, "No." Yeah, I was surprised at that as well. To be honest, I, I yeah, in that forum, uh, the person that I I actually thought uh, stood out the most to me. Was and he was actually one of the more quiet ones. But if you actually go back and listen to what he said, was Chris Burson. Mm. Is um, he, he's the One Nation one, was it? No, he's Angry Victorian. Oh, Angry, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, A, so with, with this thing with Limbrick, I mean, like, no, he, the, the, the goggles have been well and truly, you know, that was, that was the, the, the icing on the cake for me. But what really yeah. got me was during the pandemic discussion, on the pandemic um, legislation that came out, that would because I stayed up and watched the whole lot. Yeah. Um, when his I term, tried, his term came to talk, and he was they were talking about detention, and from memory, and I haven't been able to find it in Hansard, so he may have scrubbed it from Hansard, but he said that some detention was necessary, and there is no way any libertarian would say some de- no, liber- no. you know detention is necessary. And that was the, the start to think, well, maybe there's a little bit more to that. Maybe they're starting to hoodwink us all. Yeah, look, the, the thing with the, the pandemic legislation and stuff, the, look, I, I, I do believe that David and Tim fought very hard for us on that. From For, for what reasons, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the – I was never in the, the inner workings of because maybe the they're, Liberal Democrats. Maybe they're just classical liberals or maybe they are – not the hardcore socialist. Maybe they're they're a little, you know, classical liberal with a little bit of socialism. Yeah, but the, I can say there there is one woman that has fought hard and is still fighting, and has been amazing and and has helped me a fair bit 
navigating my way through this, and that's Catherine Cumming. Mm. Absolutely incredible. Has always been against mandates the whole time. Mm. Not not because of, you know, the polls said that, oh, no, um, the Liberals can gain or the Nationals can gain some popularity if they flip to being against mandates. No, Catherine's always been been against the mandates. She was always against the pandemic legislation. She would never, ever make a deal. And she's also fighting for the fighting for the vax injured. Mm. Mm. Um, so she, to me, I see her more as a libertarian, but, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, okay. Um, have you got one more thing to talk about? Yep, I'm being mindful of your time and, and I don't want to have this as an all-night conversation even though it probably could be. Um, yeah. <laughs> so talk about the jabs and everything like that. Now the declaration is gone for the time being, uh, whether it is reinstated on the 28th or not, we don't yeah. know. Well, yeah, we and just had that conversation earlier. That depends on what the count is. Um, yeah. So that being said, um, the Bushies are... Desperate for members, left, right and centre. Um, I know all the bushies in my area are screaming for members. Um, the CFA. Um, yep. What can be done about that from, from an independence point of view? So they're doing that because they're following the Secretary's guidelines, though we know that the series of therapeutics don't stop transmission. They don't protect yep. you from getting it. So what is the point mm-hmm. of getting it? And if you don't want to answer this because it's a medical question and, and no. tinfoil hat areas and all that sort of stuff, feel free to not. Um, I'm not going to hold it against you and I don't think anyone listening will. Um, but just your thoughts on, on these organisations that are supposedly there to save lives. And I've said it before in my podcast uh, as well that I think that um, the Secretary and Andrews are going to actually end up killing people because the CFA and SES won't be able to have volunteers yeah. to yeah. save people's lives um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, because they're not able to recruit and retain uh, members even after the, the divorce with yeah. the metros. Oh, they're, they're, they're struggling out here. They are mm. really struggling out here to get any members right now. Um, and, like, with the weather that we've had, like, I'm surprised no one died out here. Mm. Because there was no one to res- rescue them. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we, we need to scrap all mandates. We a hundred percent. We need to scrap all mandates. And as as an independent, uh, so look, I I'm obviously not a politician, so I I don't know how much I can do as an independent in parliament because I'm not a sitting MP. So, but what I can do is look at what the Nationals and the Liberals, the coalition, did. When it came to the mandates for MPs, even though their members in their speeches, it's all on the hand side, said that they did not agree with it, they voted for the VAX mandates with the MPs. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee that I would never do that and I would never vote in favour of any form of mandate. Okay, so... Where this gets in is supposedly they're doing it under OH&S legislation requiring people to be jabbed, which is they're allowed to under a secretary's direction and some other weird-ass section of, of um, the Occupational Health and Safety Act or whatever it's called. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's um oh, I haven't got time to, to dig it up now, but it's well, it is just one of those things is that yeah, yeah anyway, it it's you know, we we put up with the crap we put up for the last two years to save lives and yet here he is forcing yeah. these I know, yeah, it's the, it's the same sort of thing that they're, they're talking about making it. it, it it's legislation that basically a, even like a business can create a policy, mm. a workplace policy, and that it's it's mandating without mandating. Mm. And that shouldn't be allowed. Jeez. What's that? that? That's an F word. Um, <laughs> what's, what's, uh, it was big in Europe in the 30s. Um, supposedly there's a, a group that was protesting. Oh, fascism, that's it. Um, yeah. Isn't that what it is where the government tells the business what to do and the business does what yeah. the government wants? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when's Antifa um, going to protest Spring it, Street? It's, um, it's, well, I mean, uh, something that my husband said, he, he actually turned around and said, if I got in, I would be Labor's worst, worst nightmare because I'm, if I get told no, if it's something that I believe in, so something like the mandates, if I get told no or go away, I will go away and I will figure out another way that I can get there. Mm. And then I'll go back and I'll attack them again. And if they say no again, I'll go away and then I'll figure out another way that I can go at them. And I, I get a bee in my bonnet and I'm so stubborn that I will stop at the end. I will not stop until I come to the, to, to the resolve that we need, which is to end all mandates. Mm. And that's why it should be. So, Anyway, um, going to wrap it up now. Thank you so much yeah. for no, the right. the extended chat that we've had. Um, where can people find you? Uh, so I'm on Facebook at Amanda Four Lowen is the handle for that. Uh, so it's the number four. And on Instagram, I'm Amanda Me Dot Independent. Okay, and I will include links to all that in the show notes. Uh, any final words? Um. I just, I, I would just like to say, Cameron, thank you for having me on. So one of the issues that I struggled with has actually been getting some media attention because of the sort of seat that I'm sitting in, such a safe seat. No one no one cares about this seat. Um, mm. You know, we had a forum on Friday night and I was the only lower house candidate to show up. <gasps> like this, this is, <laughs> there was five, only five of the upper house candidates showed up. That's embarrassing. So I know where I'm putting my five five votes because they showed up <laughs> me as a voter um but i yeah thank you so much because yeah it has been so hard to get any kind of media attention to the electorate of lowen uh because even 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 the um you know the the parties that that hate dan like the, the groups that hate dan they don't see that like what it's actually like to be in such a neglected seat so they think that the nationals are good and they think because Matthew Guy says no more lockdowns that it actually means something. I'm like, it doesn't because he loves the power too. Let's not forget that. Yep. Yep. That's why he never opposed it because Guy wants to use the powers later on. Oh, he does. He yep. does. He definitely does. And 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 so do the nationals. The nationals love that power. Like I, I met up with Emma Keeley just when the mandates first came in and I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not asking people their vaccination status to come into my salon. Mm. Like, they choose to come in. They're not forced. They're paying customers. Like, they paid to come to my salon. 
Why am I asking them their medical status when I've never had to ask them their medical statuses before? Um, and her response was basically, Dan Andrews is a chauvinistic pig. Mm. I'm like, but that doesn't help me. Yeah. Like, what are you doing about this? Yeah. Um, that That's the, yeah. So... Thank you for giving me some well, more time. Well, that's all I've, right. I've never done a podcast before. Um, well, I think you so. did a good job. I mean, oh. I, I came close to dropping an F-bomb, but, hey, um, I think you did a good job um, and all that. But, yeah, yeah, it's it's just been really hard to – yeah, we're just, we're just so ignored out here and we're not – we are the safest state, state in Victoria um, and I'm not fighting Labor, so. Well, <laughs> let's make it marginal. Yes, that's my aim. You know, if I don't if I don't win this time, I'm going to be trying next time. But you know, if I can take a, t- a ten percent swing against the Nationals, they're get, they're going to start to go. Oh, maybe we've got we've got to pull our finger out and do some work here. Mm. Mm. And they are worried. They are worried. I've been at the polling booth the last few days. I I do have support out here. Yeah, so they should be. Um, I think so. they all should be. Um, and all that. So, anyway, um, before we get on to talking about something else, we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, <laughs> yes. So, once again, thank you very much for for coming on, and um, I will get my backside into gear and and publish this as soon as I can, um, so you can get it out and, and share it with whoever else, and I can let my three listeners know about it, and hopefully they'll share it to someone else. Um, <laughs> Perfect. And, and and for anyone listening, if you don't believe that I was the only one lower house candidate to show up, there is a video on my Facebook. Okay. It's a little sad. Okay. <laughs> all right. All the best and, and good luck on the 26th. Excellent. Uh, right. Well, I will send you a message and let you know how I go. Oh, that's good to hear. All right. Thanks a lot, Amanda. Excellent. Right. Okay. okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.